Today on Ag News Daily. So we are thinking that things, that is device that is already in their hands and so many farmers have these mobile phones, even though most of it is not on the internet yet. Um, we felt that, yeah, Axava can, you know, breach that gap. Good afternoon and happy Wednesday. Just getting over the hump of the week here with the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell. And Delaney, I've got to say, I'm a little bit mad at the Texas power grid right now. Okay. Is your power out, Ashton? It's not, but I am a little bit nervous that I might not have any air conditioning in the next few days or so. Air caught, and uh, that's the... uh, large power grid that we had issues with back in the winter when everything was kind of shutting down and we experienced a bunch of power outages all across the state. Well, Lubbock joined ERCOT just a couple of weeks ago, and I I think the entire city is running on the ERCOT power grid right now. Um, Don't really know where that sits right now, but there has been announcements made that uh, we've been warned, I guess, and uh, suggested that we set our air conditioners um, to like 78, I think, during the day, and then 82 to 85 whenever we're asleep to conserve energy. And I mean, it's getting into the hundreds in Lubbock this week. So <laughs> I don't think many people are going to do that. Now that sounds disgustingly hot. I don't think I could sleep in that. Yeah, I don't think I could sleep in that either. I get really hot when I sleep anyways, and just having it on like a normal 70, 71 mm-hmm. degrees. So I don't think that I could sleep in 85 degree weather. No, I certainly don't either. So I don't envy your position there at all. Yeah, well, luckily my air conditioner in this new apartment, I guess it's a little bit newer because, I mean, it gets cold in here just at 72 degrees, no fans or anything. So, I mean, luckily I can turn mine up a little bit. I have done that, but I'm not going to 78. I hate to tell (laughs) Aircot, but I'm not going to 78 degrees. No, I don't blame you one bit. But uh, we shall see if anything does happen. I mean, people have just been making memes basically about it on the Internet. So I don't think that anybody's really taken this seriously. But I am a little bit nervous that we might experience something like we did in the winter of rolling blackouts and Mm -hmm. trying to conserve a little bit more energy so that we can all kind of get equal times of AC. But uh, hopefully we don't have to resort to that. No, fingers crossed that you don't, because that would be gross. It would be. And, you know, I mean... I don't know what this means for the rest of the summer because we're just in June and our hot, our hottest month in Texas really isn't until August. So not going to be fun when it does come that time. No, certainly not. Certainly not. But Ashton, let's hop in and talk about some news for today. I don't have really any weather news surprisingly today. Other than, you know, markets are closely watching to see if we do get any rain later this week. Time will only tell there. But markets have also been watching today a small USDA sale that was reported today delivered to unknown destinations, about 153,000 metric tons of corn likely heading to China, although we don't know that for sure. However, uh, this we've seen exports kind of cool off from China here over the past couple of weeks as we were watching large export sales, record export sales there for a while. We haven't seen as many of those going on right now. And so markets are mostly reacting at this point to whatever's going on in the weather. So we'll continue to watch that little piece of news. But man, I tell you what, uh, we finally got a little bit of a break here. It's not quite as hot as it was earlier this week, but I think farmers are itching to get some rain. 
I don't doubt that, Delaney. But uh, speaking of import-export news, Algeria has rejected a shipment of 27,000 tons of French milling wheat as unfit for consumption after two dead animals were found in the cargo. Now, what these animals were, I don't know. (laughs) It doesn't say in this article, which I thought was uh, a little sketchy, maybe. But Algerian authorities are seeking compensation for this shipment which is to be sent back to France. And these animals were found in the past week in two separate batches of the cargo. And Algeria is one of the world's biggest wheat importers and France is one of its main suppliers. And Algeria just last week also rejected a cargo of 33,000 tons of Canadian Durham wheat for not meeting specifications. I don't know what was rejected for, for that cargo, but I mean, for this French cargo, I mean, finding two dead animals in that I would say is a pretty unfit for consumption. Well, you would think that, but then you look at other things like when USDA has so many parts of insects, parts per million pieces of insects, and they let that stuff go through. So I don't know, you'd be surprised at some of the things that get allowed into our food chain, Ashton. Yeah, I have never thought about that, Delaney. So uh, I think I might just be growing from my own garden now. (laughs) There you go. That's probably the safest way there. But Let's see. We've got a little bit of a geopolitical news. President Biden and President Putin are meeting this week at the Geneva Convention. I saw some clips on the news this morning as they were sitting down to discuss trade and monetary policies, etc. But the Fed is expected later today to start releasing their monetary policy and discuss how it will start tapering its massive easing easy money policy. That's um begin or that's a uh, due to be released this afternoon but it's not expected that the fed is going to start tapering for quite some time yet basically it sounds like the bottom line here is that the fed is afraid of a possible adverse reaction from the market if and when it starts to taper off money inflation of course has been floated around quite a bit as well so we'll see how all of those geopolitical events play out but to be honest outside of trade and you know, conventional uh, trade relations. I'm not entirely sure what's on the agenda for President Putin and President Biden to discuss, but I'm sure we'll hear more of that in the mainstream news this week. I bet we will, Delaney, but some other news that we really should be paying attention to as this decision will take effect on June 29th. The federal court's decision concerning the new spine inspection system, otherwise known as NSIS, of course, is set to take effect on June 29th. And uh, this decision struck down a provision of USDA's NSIS, allowing for faster harvest facility line speeds. NSIS initiated during the Clinton administration and evaluated at five pilot plants over the past 20 years was approved for industry-wide adoption in 2019. The NSIS program modernized an inspection system that had remained unchanged for more than 50 years. At a time when the U.S. is seeking to increase much-needed pork harvest capacity, this court order will reduce plant capacity at six plants running at NSIS line speeds by as much as 25%. 
Smaller hog farmers will disproportionately bear the brunt of the court's impact, undermining port industry competition. And after I get done kind of announcing or not announcing, but kind of talking about this, I'm going to throw in some audio from World Pork Expo from uh, president of NPPC, Jen Sorensen, kind of talking about this issue because it's one that we are going to have to be paying attention to because come the end of June, it's going to be taking effect. And about two weeks ago, Senator Chuck Grassley, Jim Hagdorn, and Dusty Johnson initiated letters currently circulating for additional congressional signatures to the USDA and the DOJ urgently requesting the administration appeal the ruling to prevent the tremendous financial harm that American hog farmers could potentially see if this were to take effect. And I'm uh, going to throw in this audio here now, but I think it's pretty interesting. I mean, I, I think it's an issue we're going to have to be paying attention to. And hopefully by the time that June 29th rolls around, we'll have some more information. The end of June implementation date for this court order is looming and MPPC continues to urge the administration to appeal and stay this decision because of the damage it will exact on hog farmers, especially smaller producers. While overall U.S. Pork harvest capacity will drop 2.5% because of this decision. Capacity at six plants running NSIS line speed will decline by as much as 25%. Smaller producers near these plants will be forced to sell their hogs on the spot market as depressed prices at depressed prices will incur with additional transportation costs to send their hogs to distant plants. Hog farmers are expected to lose more than $80 million this year alone because of this decision. This is not a partisan issue. Development of the new swine inspection system started during the Clinton administration. The five original plants, which have been running at NSIS line over the life of the program, have been safely operating for more than 20 years. At a time when the United States is seeking to increase much-needed pork harvest capacity, the court order will reduce plant capacity at six plants running NSIS line speeds by as much as 25%. The administration can prevent this from happening. NPPC is grateful to Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa and Representatives Jim Hagendorn of Minnesota and Dusty Johnson of South Dakota for rallying congressional support on this issue. Last week, they spearheaded a letter to USDA Secretary Vilsack urgently asking him to appeal and stay the court's decision before it takes effect at the end of the month. The chorus of voices urging this action is growing, and PPC will continue, continue to pursue all, all options to prevent the court's ruling from harming pig farmers. Well, glad you were able to capture that little insight there from Jen last week, Ashton. But I don't have entirely a whole lot of other news today other than chatting markets. What about you? Well, I do have one thing that I wanted to share, just kind of following up on the cyber attack on JBS, because we saw Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack kind of step up and share some words. Vilsack says that the food industry needs to harden its systems following this cyber attack. And we've seen quite a few attacks, I would say, you know, over the past few months or so. And Vilsack says that we're going to have to convene the food groups to essentially make sure that we understand and appreciate precisely what is required from here on out 
I think kind of just in terms of uh, stepping up our cybersecurity. Vilsack told members of the Senate Ag Appropriations Subcommittee that USDA is more than happy to cooperate with any legal investigation into this JBS hack. And he also touched on the notion of cryptocurrency, which Vilsack said is out of his area of expertise, but something that we're going to need to be paying attention to. And Senator John Tester of Montana says that he's not surprised that the food industry has been targeted. In fact, he was quoted as saying, concentration in the food industry, the meat industry in particular in this case, has been a big concern of mine. And now that cyber criminals have figured out that it is a good way to screw up our economy, you control food, you tend to control people. That is a problem. And I I mean, I think he makes some good points there. And so hopefully we can uh, come up with some new ways to ensure the safety of our food system, our economy. I'm Excited to see, you know, what uh, improvements we can make from here on out. Absolutely, Ashton. That's going to be an ongoing battle, I'm sure, for our industry. But so are the markets here as we're watching them battle out whether or not they react to weather or other factors. What do you say we hop over and take a look at markets for today? Let's do it, Delaney. Well, we certainly had competing factors today as we watched markets play out here. Corn at one point in time was up on the day pretty substantially and has since pulled back in the July contract and finished mostly lower across the board here. July corn down three and three quarters cents to close at 670 and three quarters. The the Dece down two and a quarter cent to close at 571 and a half. In soybeans lower today with the July contract shedding 23 and a quarter cent to close at 1442 and a half. November down 35 to close at 1338 and a half. Chicago wheat, the only higher market today in grains with the July contract adding three cents to close at 664 and a half. The September up a penny and a half to close at 667 and a half. Hopping over to check out livestock for today. Cattle complex higher, lean hogs heading lower. June live cattle today up, excuse me, August live cattle today up $1.02 to close at $124.92.5. The October up $1.35 to close at $129.97.5. And And in feeder cattle today, the August contract adding $0.87.5 to close at $157.70. The September up $1.15 to close at $159.80. Lean hogs had some limit down moves today with the July contract limit down to close at $115.50. The August limit down to close at $111.70. And wrapping things up here with our class three dairy milk futures. We saw weakness today as the July contract shed 15 cents to close at 16.98. The August down 28 cents to close at 17.69. Ashton, without further ado today, we're doing things a little differently on the podcast this week. We didn't have a Tech Tuesday yesterday. We saved that for today to talk to a very special guest from across the pond. Well, folks, I'm very excited. We are joined by probably one of our furthest away guests, it's joined today by Chibuike Emmanuel, who we've had on the podcast, but it's been quite a few years. We originally met Chibuike, I believe, at the uh, World Food Prize event when you were over here in Iowa visiting as part of the Global Farmers uh, Network Roundtable. And you have a really interesting background and story. So I want to start there before we talk a little bit about what you're currently doing in kind of the ag tech industry. Chibuike, give us your background. Where are you from and what do you do? All right. Um, Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this opportunity. 
So I started off as a mechanical engineer. That was my background, and that's what I studied. But, um, you know, my family has had a long tradition of, you know, being in the farm, farming space, almost everybody in Africa, actually. So uh, I had this burden that I needed to, you know, kind of find solutions um, to the many challenges that I saw growing up and that are still very much persistent here today. And, um, you know, it's one thing to tell someone to do something. It's another thing to lead the way and show how it's being done. So I got into the act space myself with all the challenges that face young people, no access to land, no access to finance and all of that. And I've been able to ride that tide for a while. Um, so, yeah, I, I grew catfish and I feel that, um, you know, there needs to be that there's more that needs to be done. Um, not just for myself, but for the entire ecosystem. So, yeah, that's a bit about me. Well, Chibwige, we are having you on today to kind of announce a uh, pretty cool thing that's going on with Ag Server. But before we get into that announcement and kind of call people to action, what is Ag Server? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? All right. So, Ag Server, it's um, okay. Let me backtrack a bit. So, for instance, in Nigeria, um, you have one extension worker serving 8,500 farmers. I know you'll be wondering how that is possible. The truth is, it's not possible. And, you know, there, there is lack of infrastructure. So, even the few extension workers can't get around. Um, there's probably insecurity. And most farmers in isolated rural areas do not have access to the internet. So it's a huge problem. So Axaver, um, it's an answer to that where we are thinking, okay, how can we leverage technology to jumpstart all of that process? Now, most people in Africa already has some form of mobile phones, um, you know, whether it is internet enabled or whether it's not internet enabled. So we are thinking that saying that is the device that is already in their hands. And so many farmers have these mobile phones, even though most of it is not on the internet yet. Um, we felt that, yeah, Axaver can, you know, bridge that gap in getting the information that they need to produce what they need to produce, um, linking them up to market, uh, up to, you know, up with the market, um, sharing tips around improving yield, generating data sets, around what they do so that, you know, banks can give them money without um, having the conventional, you know, history with them. All of that was what prompted us to, you know, um, get into Axava. Basically, we just want to um, make the lives of smallholder farmers better using the tool that they already have. Axava is kind of like the Quora for smallholder farmers. Uh, I don't know if you get what I mean. Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, going on agserver.net, which is the website, I believe. Um, it's almost like an online chat forum or a way to connect with other farmers to ask questions and be engaged, learn from other farmers. But Chibwika, I want to make a clarification here. Is this geared just towards farmers in Africa? Uh, so now we are, we are, it's not. Um, so um, for statistics, there are over 2 billion smallholder farmers around the world, around 2 billion. Um, we have like 500 small-scale farms. Actually, that's the biggest industry in the world, um, stretching from Africa to Asia to South America. Um, so that is our 
target. Now, every other farmer can come on board. Of course, I come from um, you know that perspective that farmers ought to share. So big, um, big time farmers like commercial farmers are welcome to come on board. Other farmers from around the world are welcome to come on board. It's just that we are focusing right now. So we are kind of, you know, narrowing down to the African uh, market with the kind of solutions that we are tailoring from our own end. But since it's a peer-to-peer um, platform, anybody can come and, 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 you know, share the experiences. And I also want to mention that there is another layer which we are building. So what we have now is just like the tip of the iceberg, um, which is online. Now, most of the farmers that are in Africa are not online. So we're actually developing the technological framework um, right now that will enable us um, connect farmers. Um, if they are in Nigeria, for instance, and they have a problem, they should be able to connect someone in Mumbai or someone in, in Peru or even the U.S., with their simple mobile phone that's not connected to the internet, querying our system with SMS or voice or USSD. And they'll be able to get the answers that, that they need. Um, so we are, we are building out the technological inf- infrastructure for that now. Jibwege, it sounds like a lot of great stuff is going on for Ag Server. And one of those things is that you guys are currently a finalist for the Cisco Global Challenge. Can you tell us a little bit more about what this challenge is and what this can do for Ag Server? All right. Um, thank you once again. So the Cisco Global Challenge, is, um, like, of course, everybody knows Cisco. So they put together money once every year and they look out for um, you know, tech startups that are doing great stuff, um, trying to better the environment, trying to solve our biggest challenge as a human race and for the planet. And, you know, they select the best of them and they fund them and they give them technical expertise. So this year, there is a pool of a million dollars that um, the winners are going um, to be getting. So that's basically about... Um, the Cisco Global Challenge, and our journey as Ark Server. So um, sometime uh, last year, uh, you, you asked me about COVID, and I forgot to mention. So I actually got, for, for Ark Server idea, um, the basics was actually meant to be my master's project at Cornell University, where I got admitted. But when the pandemic happened, um, I couldn't attend. So mm-hmm. I decided to pivot and look for alternative means. And that was how we started, um, you know, Server. And, you know, being on the stage where Cisco has selected us as, um, you know, the finalists, it's a big honor. And if we win this, it will not only give us the money to push what we are doing, it's going to give us access to, you know, technical know-how, resources, networks, opportunities, which were, which were the, pretty much the things I was looking at when I wanted to attend Cornell. And now I feel that Cisco provides um, those kind of opportunities. Yeah, and it's super neat to see your journey, Chibuike, and it's neat. I hope you guys do well. But if we have listeners, we obviously want them to go and vote for you guys so that you're able to win some money here. How can they go yes. about voting? Because I think that ends soon. Yeah, so um, so the voting ends on, uh, I mean, I think next tomorrow, tomorrow um, today is 17th or 16th, so it ends on June 18th, actually. I don't know the part, but it's June 18th. Um, I think it's 2 p.m. Uh, it's, it's Eastern time. That's when it ends. 
And truly, we need everybody to head on to um, so if you do a Google search or I can send the link so that you can put it in the in the you know uh, in your description, um, you, you you are going to see Axava. Axava is actually number three out of the forty two um, startup, but I'm going to send a direct link so that they can click and it will take them directly to um, Axava, and then they can vote for us. They can help us spread the word, and like you said, if we win this, it is really going to be a big one for us. Yeah, it certainly is. So folks, we'll be sure to share that link as well on social media so you can vote for Ag Server. But Chibuike, thank you so much and we wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much, Delani. I appreciate it. Well, again, there, a big thank you to Chibuike. It was great to reconnect with him and chat with him. Really interesting stuff that he's doing over there in Africa, Ashton. And I tell you what, if they had an a 30 under 30 for Africa, he'd probably make the list. Actually, I don't know how old he is, so I should take that back. But if they did and he was under the age of 30, he definitely would make that list. Well, he is successful, no doubt, Delaney, and really a uh, spearhead when it comes to the world of technology and implementing that into the world of agriculture. But uh, folks, be sure to definitely go vote. I'm going to be putting the link to that uh, in the description to this episode. So be sure to show some love to Ag Server. And while you're at it, make sure to go give us a thumbs up when wherever you listen to the Ag News Daily podcast and follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily while you're at it as well. And with that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.